I came from PepsiCo and I was in a corporate environment, government environment, and I was shocked that something like this actually existed and was successful. Welcome to Since Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Atchley, Senior Editor of Baking and Snack. In Season 4, we're tackling the workforce gap the commercial baking industry is facing. One of the biggest issues is finding employees willing to work in food manufacturing. Today, we're exploring the unconventional model of open hiring used by Grayston Bakery, a brownie manufacturer in Yonkers, New York. In this episode, President and CEO Joe Kenner and General Manager Rich Jamesley tell me about the benefits and challenges of using open hiring to staff their bakery. Welcome to Since Sliced Bread, Joe and Rich. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Charlotte. So first things first, can you describe to our listeners what is open hiring exactly? Yeah, so I mean, Rich can chime in, but open hiring, it's actually a a revolutionary concept that our founder, Bernie Glassman, uh, came up with uh, nearly 40 years ago. But essentially, at its core, it's a non-judgment way of bringing people into your organization. So at the bakery that Rich runs for us, uh, if you want to be a baker there, you simply have to put your name on a list. We call it a jobs list. And uh, you get added to this list. And when a job becomes available, uh, you're hired. Uh, no questions asked, no background checks. We don't do an interview. Someone from Rich's team will give you a call asking you to report for orientation. That's your first day on the job. That's your first day earning a salary. And that's your first day being a part of the Grayston Bakery team. It's essentially open hiring in a nutshell. So no resume, nothing. No resume, just be ready to work, ready to succeed, do a good job, and make some delicious brownies. So how did Grayston Bakery establish its opening hiring policy? Was that at the beginning of the company or was it established at a later time? Yeah, it was nearly 40 years ago. Uh, our founder, Bernie Glassman, who was, I, you know, that's one of my great regrets. I never got a chance to meet him. Uh, I had a conversation with his widow the other week and I asked her if he could describe in one word or a sentence why we have Grayston Bakery, why we have open hiring, what would it be? And she said, one body. And what that essentially means, when Bernie started this operation um, in the Riverdale section of the Bronx here, it was in the early 80s at a time, you know, high unemployment, uh, people were homeless, it was at the height of the AIDS crisis. And Bernie and this Zen Buddhist community, they were baking cakes uh, in their community. That was their way of earning money and earning a salary. And literally, seeing people that were not working, that were neglected by society in their opinion, just motivated by their faith, they saw that as a loss to society. And we all believe this, that everybody has a God-given talent or a gift. And when you're not working, when you're not a part of society, we're all losing because there is something that you can contribute um, in a positive way that all of society benefits. So Bernie saw that and he would literally start pulling people off the streets, you know, saying, hey, you want to work? Come help us bake cakes. You'll learn a skill. You can take that somewhere else and get your job. But, you know, you'll start here <laughs> in terms of uh, earning a salary and making a good product. At that time, as I said, it was cakes. But that's really the genesis of open hiring of Bernie and this team of Zen Buddhist folks uh, pulling people off the streets to bake cakes. 
So how did it evolve over the years then? The bakery's been around for like 40 years. How has that kind of grown? Yeah, and, and, and we've grown. I mean, we went from cakes. Uh, at the time, we were making cookies. Uh, since I've been here, it's only been brownies. The, really, the probably the keystone moment for us was when Bernie uh, went to one of the first uh, social venture conferences out in the Midwest, I believe it was, and literally went on the walk you know, for a walk in the woods with uh, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. And uh, they struck up a great conversation. And it was, you know, they basically wanted to know how can, you know, the two of us work together, Grayston Bakery and Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, uh, and develop a great partnership. And it started with us with <laughs> making the cookies that would go into like an ice cream sandwich type of a product. So we were going to make the chocolate cookie. That would go into that. Uh, Bernie invested all of the, you know, the bakery's assets into developing a production to get this going. Uh, we shipped the product to Vermont. Uh, it did not survive the shipping process. So instead of a oh, cookie no. product, you got a flat slab of chocolate stuff. And they just looked at it like, oh, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> and someone basically <laughs> said, let's just chop it up and put it into chocolate ice cream and see what happens. And there was chocolate fudge brownie <laughs> that was born. And now we're in, you know, a few of their top flavors, whether it's chocolate fudge brownie, you know, brownie batter core, half baked, which is my personal favorite, Netflix and chilled. And we had for a time um, Justice Remix, which is like a spicy brownie and it's in an ice cream. But um, it, it evolved because of, you know, the relationships and you know, the symbiosis that we saw with other like-minded organizations like Ben & Jerry's Unilever that you know, we're a proud supplier of being part of their supply chain. And, and just to add on to what Joe said, so, you know, our primary business is uh, making brownie inclusions uh, for ice cream. Uh, and the other portion of our business is we do make packaged brownies in an assortment that are currently uh, sold in Whole Foods and several other uh, retail markets. We uh, have a very strong business in that area uh, on the vegan business. Vegan business has uh, grown dramatically, and we have a vegan fudge brownie as well as a cinnamon roll. And recently, this summer, we introduced birthday cake brownie. I'm curious, partnering with Ben & Jerry's, being in Whole Foods, um, offering vegan brownies and desserts. I'm sure Grayston Bakery has like continued to grow, expand. And with that comes the need for workforce. How has the open hiring kind of evolved over the years from grabbing people off the street to what it is today? I think, you know, in particular, I'm going to say over the last 10 years, as, as you know, we started our whole foods relationship and continued with Ben and Jerry's, the expectation uh, on quality and how we deliver our product, you know, continued, the bar continued to be risen. And, you know, we, we are uh, an SQF facility, have been for the last five years. And with that, a lot of it comes with uh, training of our employees to make sure that they know how to follow all the procedures that are out there and how to ensure that the product we are, are shipping is meeting all the expectations. So training has uh, significantly uh, evolved, and this is uh, 
a key piece of our onboarding with open hiring, but also as as people continue their employment here, it's a continuous training that goes on either in a classroom or on the floor. And I would just add to that, Charlotte, uh, before becoming president CEO in April of this year, I was the vice president of programs and partnerships. So I had responsibility for the workforce development programming that we have at our foundation, the nonprofit arm of Grayson. And one of the things uh, from a strategic perspective that we want to evolve to, um, this is looking you know, more forward looking, the balance of year as well as into 2021, we want to integrate our workforce development training where folks are getting national certifications and uh, being a part of a job development system. We want to integrate that with the bakery. So as you know, Rich is bringing in folks at the bakery and they're doing well and they're working for two years or three years. We want to provide a pathway for them to transition to another organization, ideally another one that's practicing open hiring or has an inclusive hiring policy, but transition them to another organization where they can continue to thrive, where they can continue their career. Because um, if they start with the premise that a lot of these folks that are coming into the bakery are coming to us with, you know, whether they're formerly incarcerated, whether they're homeless, whether they're recovery, if not for Grayston, they probably would not have been working. So we want this to be the first start for them in this open hiring ecosystem that we want to create where they work for us for two years, do a great job, but then we kind of develop them to move on to, to bigger and better things outside of Grayston with other like-minded partners that will give them an opportunity to grow and thrive in, in a career. So it, it, it's really, it, it's actually exciting, particularly during this time to be able to offer these types of opportunities to the folks we serve. Grayston's bakeries open hiring model in their workforce program, you're not only trying to help your own business, but also the industry at large. Uh, absolutely. From a strategic perspective, we want to see other companies doing what we're doing, which is why we had launched the Center for Open Hiring back in 2018 to teach companies how to do open hiring, to see this model replicated. Um, it's why you have a company like The Body Shop in, in their Raleigh-Durham distribution center practicing open hiring, giving, you know, 300 opportunities uh, to the folks in the distribution center. They're actually going to be rolling out open hiring um, in Q4 of this year in their retail operations. But uh, Giant Eagle, a grocery store chain in Pittsburgh, they're going to be, they've done open hiring in their, in their stores in that area, give out over 150 opportunities. We've got a regional project going in Rochester with a company called Cleancraft, janitorial services company that's uh, providing opportunities in Rochester. And it's, um, this, is, this is part of our strategic approach is to create that ecosystem so that other companies can provide these types of opportunities to the folks that have been left out, going back to Bernie's vision, right? Um, these are the folks that could not get a job. These are folks who could not participate even when the economy was booming, you know, the longest economic boom that ended you know, this past March. Our folks were still struggling <laughs> when it was the best of times. So now it's you know the worst of times. I think our unemployment rate's around 19%, just over in Yonkers. Now, it's even more important to have something like open hiring in, in your organization. Talking about the open hiring model, it really gives you guys access to marginalized candidates. You'd mentioned formerly incarcerated and homeless population. How do you tap into the potential of those candidates? I think, you know, as Joe mentioned, uh, our founder, Bernie, 
you know, approach the business and, and we continue to live under what he had suggested, which was some key uh, Zen principles. And uh, Joe had mentioned earlier, non-judgment. So when somebody comes uh, into the bakery, we, we don't ask any questions. Without asking any questions, um, they can come in and, and feel safe. The next one is uh, transformation. We believe that a person can come in and we can work with them to become uh, a better person and, and achieve whatever is a success as measured by them. Uh, we also uh, have loving action. Uh, loving action means that, you know, sometimes we, we have to uh, help people when they're down. Uh, sometimes uh, correct them when they need to be corrected, but it's all intended with us caring the most and, and looking for their success. And the last one, which Joe uh, touched on also was path making. And, and path making is, is a way for people to navigate here, but also outside of work. And then hopefully over time, when they're ready, uh, they can move on to bigger and better things and they can become successful. So I, I think many places, you know, would not look at these individuals, the marginalized individuals as, as having that. But these are all beliefs that uh, here at Grayston, we all strongly follow and believe in. And, and Charlotte, I would mention, you know, the open hiring, it, it's, it's the practice, which is, you know, the model that Rich has at the bakery, but it, it is truly so much more than just the list and the model. And, and Rich laid it out. It's our values as an organization, so non-judgment, loving action, uh, the path making. That's just who we are as an organization. And, and I truly believe that this is the next evolution for human resources. Rich and I were having this discussion and we were looking at, you know, as part of the X team, we we're just looking at our organizations and we realized that, you know, we've actually got diversity throughout this organization. It's not just talking about the populations that you talk about, but even the folks that, you know, went through the quote unquote traditional processes. If you look at, you know, the leadership at the foundation, you know, all of my department heads, they're either a woman and or a person of color. If you look at Rich's team, I think, how many women do you have, Rich? Out of the four, out of the five people, he has four. Yep. Four women, people of color. And he jokes, you know, we got four white guys working in the company. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a hundred, he's got like a hundred people working there. Seventy um, percent of our bakers are African American, black. Twenty over twenty percent are Hispanic. Uh, and even if you look at the people below at the foundation, uh, again, Hispanic women. I mean, it's just who we are as an organization. So whether you, whether it's the open hiring or the traditional quote unquote processes, we've got diversity and inclusion and we do it without the DEI program. We do it without the chief diversity officer. It's just how we've lived out our values that Rich talked about that makes this company, but I would say any company successful, you need that kind of diversity. You need that kind of mix of experiences and expertise brought to the table to make a strong organization. So just by um, implementing those values Rich was sharing with us, you've managed to create a diverse workforce on all levels. And and I, I just just to give a, a, a brief example, you know, when I came to Grayston, I, I was from I'll, I'll call it a more traditional manufacturing background. 
and <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I, I was concerned whether I could properly do my job and support the mission here. And uh, when it comes to non-judgment, I actually do not know any of the backgrounds of any of the individuals who work here at the bakery. I've, I've chosen that whatever happened before is is not important. I only care about what is happening in the future and how we can help this individual. And I, I think that's a, a key piece. It, it made a difference for me. I wouldn't say everybody else does that. But from my standpoint, I only care to see how we can make that person better and how they can partner with us to make the company successful. And like Rich, I came from PepsiCo. And I was in a corporate environment, government environment. And I was shocked that something like this actually existed and was successful. Um, and to actually see it, to be a part of it every day, to, to Rich's point, like our goal is just to see people be successful. If you want to be successful, you can be here. And we'll give you the support that you need to make that happen. That's all part of the path making values, just to invest in you as long as you want to invest in yourself. Does that path making and that um, supporting the success, does that require a lot of resources on behalf of the company? Well, it goes to your other question about the evolution. Uh, probably within the last six years, we've been uh, through partnership with one of the say one of the largest mental health providers here in our county, Westchester Jewish Community Services. We actually partnered with them to have what we call an employment pathmaker stationed at our bakery. And that person's job is to help folks with the non-traditional HR things, such as uh, finding housing, dealing with child support issues, child care issues, transportation issues, you know, recovery, whatever it might be. Uh, her name is Kimberly. She works with our bakers and she also assists us at the foundation as well with some of the clients to sort through those issues in a very confidential way, but a very personal um, case managed way. She addresses all of those issues, which we believe helps our folks continue to be successful because you can't be fully present at work if you know your kid is in crisis or you're sleeping in your car or you're dealing with um, recovery. Uh, we found that to be a critical piece of the model is having a, an employment path maker there to kind of deal with those issues and to help our folks and really it's not just the bakers. Anybody can go to Kimberly. And I would say any organization, you know, I have child care issues. I have a three-year-old um, trying to trying to find uh, daycare and be, you know, feel like everybody is safe too. So, you know, we're all dealing with those issues. So it's not just a baker issue or a low-income issue. We're all dealing with it. And uh, this resource has been a great addition to the, the model in the last few years. And we're very proud of that piece of it. While I have your attention, did you know you don't have to wait for your print copy of Baking and Snack? You can get your eyes on the latest issue by checking out our digital edition on your desktop or tablet at bakingbusiness.com. Just click more in the navigation bar and then choose digital editions. With our convenient digital flipbook, you can browse our October issue. Take a tour of unique snacks and read about their rebranding. Learn about the latest in cookie trends or the benefit of automating micro and minor ingredient scaling. When you're finished listening to this episode, be sure to head over to bakingbusiness.com to read the latest issue digitally. But for now, let's get back into the conversation. 
So we've talked about, we've touched on a couple of benefits to this open hiring model, but if you guys could just share some of the, some of the benefits you've seen coming from more corporate traditional companies to the open hiring to Grayston Bakery, what are some of the benefits you've seen to open hiring? I'll start. You know, I'm relatively local to uh, where uh, Grayston is. And uh, knowing that uh, this particular area in Yonkers, you know, ha- has had challenges over, you know, decades, uh, I really wanted to participate in, in making a difference. And I think that uh, having this open hiring and giving the opportunity to individuals who more than likely might not get it will make a huge difference in their life, in their family's life, and within the community that they live. And and those are the things that, that we see uh, on a regular basis. And I, I think when you look at, you know, why do, why do you do open hiring is, is because you want to make a difference. And I, I think that while you're making that difference, you still can do all the things that needs to be done for a, a company. Uh, in, in my past, I would say that, you know, you, you had to, to do all the company programs and, and follow those. Here, we're, we're really getting involved in, in people's lives that need the assistance that really don't have the network. And uh, it makes a huge difference uh, to those individuals and uh, is the reason for, for coming to work. And I would, I would just add to what Rich said, uh, let's not lose sight of it, you know, whether you're baking brownies like us or you're shipping out product from the body shop or you're working at Giant Eagle um, or janitorial services in, in Rochester, it's great talent management. It's great people management. You get good people that want to work. So whether you're making widgets or not, you're getting a great worker. And not just a great worker, but someone who's going to be committed to you because you gave them an opportunity. It's um, why, you know, the body shop, you know, their turnover rate was cut by two thirds almost because of the folks that they were bringing in, folks that were happy to be working there. It's why, you know, one of our employment partners, uh, St. John's Hospital, the CEO says that some of the folks that he's hired from our workforce development program are some of his best people because they're loyal because no one else gave him a chance, but you did. So just from a, a business model standpoint, from a talent management strategy, it's good business. And to Rich's point, yeah, you might be hiring folks that are formerly incarcerated that couldn't get an opportunity anywhere else. And, you know, what does that mean from a public assistance saving standpoint, from a corrections and law enforcement saving standpoint? Um, we're looking at, you know, if you look at the people that we've hired in the past year, and the people that we placed in our workforce development program, uh, we're looking at like a $12 million impact almost that we've had right here in Southwest Yonkers, you know, across all of those public savings and the economic impact of the salaries that's being generated. And that doesn't even include any kind of money multiplier, but $12 million that, you know, this little bakery in Southwest Yonkers is having. And again, if there were more companies like us, because Rich and I, we can only hire about 70 people at any given time. Um, if more if more folks were doing this, what could the what could that reverberation be economically in terms of the impact um, on government, on society, on the, to Rich's point, on these lives? And it all starts with one job: giving that one person a job impacts that person's family, that person's community, 
and there are societal implications for that. So, you know, it's like I said, more than the list. This is really about, you know, lives and you know, economic inclusion. Yeah, I was also very curious, how do you think open hiring could come into play with the massive unemployment numbers we're seeing right now due to the pandemic? Yeah, well, it's like what I said earlier, uh, when we had the longest economic boom, um, our folks were still struggling. You still had, you know, particularly the formerly incarcerated population, they had, you know, double digit unemployment. Now things are just worse for everybody. Folks, but, you know, whether you're a CVS, <laughs> whether you're an Amazon, you know, Lowe's, all of those companies, especially now in this environment, this post, you know, say post-COVID, but in this COVID environment, they still need workers and they need workers yesterday. This is the perfect opportunity uh, you know, where some of our pilot partners are saying, you know, they've cut their you know, time to hire from 30 days to seven because of open hiring. So you're bringing people in quickly and you're bringing people in that want to work. They've made that decision. They've made that choice that they want to work. And especially in this environment, people desperate to work. I mean, you've got you know, 20 million of our you know, fellow citizens that are on unemployment looking for work. You know, our unemployment rate's 19% in Yonkers. I think it's 13% in the region that we're in, the Hudson Valley of New York. Um, that's Those are huge numbers. Um, so you, we need to have a new strategy, clearly, in terms of how we bring people back into the economy, how we give them opportunity. And that's what we always say. This is an opportunity. It's not a promise. Um, you've got to be committed to to be successful, we'll commit to investing in you. But now more than ever, you need something that addresses the issue of uh, joblessness, particularly in those, I would say, those cohorts that have traditionally been left out of the job market. So what are some of the challenges you two have seen that come with open hiring? And how has Grayston Bakery overcome some of those? We've talked to other partners and, and went through the challenges that that we go through and it's a great indication when when that partner comes and says we have those same challenges so i i I would tell you that a big uh, portion of what we have with challenges are are really not unusual for this type of 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 manufacturing and, and and job uh attendance is 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 probably uh, our number one issue, and that's you know coming to work or or getting on time, and and that's a a major focus area for for us to to work with our employees on that. But I I think that you you run into uh, I would call very traditional issues that uh, most companies experience. The the one difference is I I think um, some of of the I'll call it non work issues are a, a little more evident in in our employees because they they don't have the support network that that many individuals do and and you know to Joe's earlier comment about having our employment pathmaker help uh, with these issues I think makes a big difference when I grew up you know I had a strong family network uh, and friends who would help me work through issues. Most of the people in the marginalized uh, uh, workforce do not have that strong network. And I think it's important, you know, for companies to, to look at, at the individuals and, and really to elevate, you know, the community that they're in. You know, they, they need to, to 
have some level of open hiring. Uh, we happen to be 100% open hiring. Uh, I don't think every company has to, to, to do that, but I think that there is some level. And then the give back is to provide those services in particular for the external uh, issues so that the, the person can, can be, you know, a significant contributor to, you know, the workforce, but also in uh, the family as, and community. And, and I would just add to that, I, Rich touched on it, that that whole social capital piece is so critical because even if you do have somebody at home, whether it's a parent or a significant other, a lot of them have not had the kind of experiences that, you know, you, Rich or I may have had where, you know, you had a parent encourage you to go to college or you saw people going to work every day. Um, you kind of understand what it's like to take instruction from a supervisor because, you know, you, someone or either you or someone in your household has been in the workforce and understands all those things. Um, it, it, it impacts your success in the long run. So, so which is why, you know, soft skills training and all that's so critical for us, both at the foundation as well as at, at the bakery. We want to get folks uh, more than work ready. We want to make sure that they're thriving. So this whole season, we're talking about the workforce issue in the commercial baking industry. And I mean, it's plaguing manufacturing as well. But the other side of the coin after hiring is retention. So once hired, how is Grayston Bakery retaining its employees? Yeah, so yeah, that's a question we always get. And I want the one thing I would say, just to put everything in context, uh, I know we, we put a nice spin on open hiring and we do believe it's a very strong model. But at the end of the day, this is a bakery. We are in manufacturing. It's a, it's a tough job, long hours. You're standing lifting 50 pound bags of flour and sugar. So I, I don't want to pretend that this is not a, an easy job. It's a, it's a tough job, but if you want to be successful, you can. But you know, we, we started looking at that issue because we get that question a lot. And if Rich starts with 70 or so bakers, let's look at last year, 50 of those folks stayed throughout the year last year. So that's, that's pretty stellar. And, and then you have the turnover in you know the 15 or so, 10 or so positions that um, are left over. That's the challenge that you know I think any manufacturer will face. But the fact that he can, one, keep 50, and P.S., he gave God knows how many opportunities throughout the year, is still, to us, that's the positive of all this. Like, yes, there have been some turnovers in that, those 10 positions that remain, but at the end of the day, Rich has given an opportunity to each of those folks to work. And some leave because, you know, they realize as much as I do want to work, I don't want to lift 50 pound bags of sugar. You know, I don't want to work in a, in a hot place or you know, work, you know, these hours or whatever it is. It's just not for me. And that's okay. Uh, and going back to our values, we don't judge you on the way in. We're not going to judge you on the way out, but we want to give you the opportunity to succeed. Um, so, you know, turnover is a challenge that I think any uh, manufacturer, particularly like us, will face. But I'm happy that we can at least keep, you know, the folks that we do have here at 50 out of 70 every year, which is, you know, quite important. But we still want to study the, the, the remainders and why those, why those folks turn over. And that will always be a part of the, you know, evolution and innovation. And, and, and just to you know, add to what Joe said, uh, even when an individual 
will will leave the bakery um in in our exit interview you know there is always the connection to our workforce development group which, which has other opportunities within the community and our partners so that maybe the bakery didn't work because of you know what joe had uh, mentioned as far as the type of work but there are other opportunities and and being a partner within the community we want to to help people find a job that fits with them best with the open hiring model i assume you're getting candidates who don't have any bakery experience how does that impact your training program in the bakery yeah so you you start from the ground up um, sure. You, you know, I mean, there there's some very basic things within manufacturing. The process of open hiring, uh, as Joe mentioned, starts with a, a job list. Then there there is a, a call that is made, and you know, you could be on the list for six to twelve months, but you'll get a call, and when you come in, uh, you go through a, a six hour orientation. Some of it's paperwork, but probably three and a half to four hours is um, training. Uh, I'll call it basic training um, for food manufacturing, you know, related to quality and safety. Uh, and then once they get on the floor, they go through uh, an apprenticeship that lasts uh, approximately six months. And and during that apprenticeship, they're, they're getting on-the-job training as well as classroom training so that they can be an effective employee. Uh, once they complete their apprenticeship, then they're, they're part of uh, our team that is, you know, goes through uh, regular training programs in all the aspects of, of manufacturing, whether it be uh, quality or safety or human uh, resources or, or whatnot. But uh, uh, training is a, is a critical part. And I would say in the early part, it's a lot of basics. And then I assume you're also working with them with, with the Pathmaker program and the workforce development on the soft skills and leadership training and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a big shift that we've had over the last several years. And, and uh, you know, uh, it tied to the uh, Pathmaker position, but but also it was uh, evident that we needed to do more training. Um, and, and some of that's just from an execution standpoint, but, but also the soft skill side of how we could better develop our people and, and make them successful both uh, at the workplace as well as outside of the workplace. And I would say that training, you know, it's, it's extended to everyone really, and not just the bakers. We did last year for the first time in a while, we did some, you know, conflict resolution training um, that was offered by our county uh, to all of our staff, including the supervisors at the bakery and other folks, you know, just, you know, we're all working with very challenging populations, you know, so how do we de-escalate? How do we deal with the challenges that, you know, our supervisors face and how can we support them better? So we really try to take a holistic approach and to Rich's point, you know, this is going to evolve more in terms of how we can get our trainings more integrated and consistent across the organization and really be supportive of all the employees. Since both of you work um, every day with members of these marginalized workforce groups, 
could you just kind of give our listeners a realistic picture of what that's like, what they can expect, maybe even bust some myths that might exist? So I'll tell you when I first came here, you know, I, I guess just the reputation of, of Grayston and, 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 you know, as you stated, you know, working with marginalized, you know, what was that all going to mean? And I, I have to tell you, um, in my five years here, I, I have not had any issues. Uh, I think there are, you know, typical gripes that happen within the workforce, but I would tell you in, in my uh, tenure, uh, really nothing uh, different. It's just more of uh, a listening mode that you need to have. I think that, you know, as, as most people have gone through this, this uh, new world of, of uh, brought on by COVID, um, you know, there, there was a, a concern, you know, you know, would we be able to, to meet our demands and, and deal with some of the issues? And the area that we're in just outside of New York City, uh, we happen to be in one of the hotspots areas of the early stages of, of uh, COVID. And, and we went through a lot of soul searching as, as a team. And we, you know, work through a number of things that we had to change and, and work together as far as PPE and, and all the, the other various things of social distancing and changes to equipment. And I, I have to tell you, we, we, we went from a, a pretty busy bakery to an extremely busy bakery. And we you know, have been running six and, and now have uh, gone to seven days uh, manufacturing. And the amazing thing is we're achieving numbers that we've never achieved before. And, and it's, it's not equipment, it's, it's teamwork, and it's the effort of the bakers and being aligned. So even with the challenges of, of the external environment, uh, in this COVID uh, situation, uh, our people, you know, have uh, committed to making us successful, and and together we work as a team to do that. And I, I think some people might question whether the workforce that you have there, you know, could rise to that occasion. And I I would tell you in uh, in my career, this this group here has has risen to the task and far exceeded the expectation. And and I would, just to add to what Rich said, and I'm glad you asked the question about busting some of the myths, we need to back it up a little bit too. Uh, We talked about our customers, Ben and Jerry's Union, Whole Foods Markets. Uh, Our open hires are making premium product for world-class companies. Uh, And Rich, they'll tell you, they don't let up terms of quality. We don't get a break. Uh, the numbers that you just heard Rich you know, recite, you know, record production, you know, those are made by people who have this conception, misconception, I would say, of murders and killers and places, chaos all the time. No, it's a manufacturing facility like any other manufacturing facility that has all the issues of attendance and 
people coming to work on time and calling in and adhering to goods and manufacturing practices. It's, it's all the issues that any other manufacturer would have, but these are great people. They're doing a very good job at a record rate right now. Uh, and again, it's a loyal group of folks. And PS, the traditional hiring practices, they're not a guarantee either. You can interview till you're blue in the face and I've had to fire people that I've interviewed. <laughs> and you know, they're not as you know, it's not a guarantee that you're going to bring in good people there. Um, so don't think because someone has a background that um, they're not going to do a good job. Can you do the job that I'm asking you to do? Is really the question. You know, do I really care what your background is, no matter what it is? And if you're dealing with recovery, you know, or whatever the issues are. Like I said, I'm a CEO and I have childcare issues. So we're all we're all dealing with stuff. Um, it's not just you know the folks that come in for open hiring. And so I think the myth is that you know somehow the quote unquote they are different from us. <laughs> And that's not necessarily true, nor the processes that we've traditionally used are more effective than open hiring. That is not true. We've, we've just proven that throughout this entire discussion. So you know, the myth is, you know, that you know, this is somehow a special population that needs you know, special treatment. No, no, we all have the same issues. We all need the same support. Um, now more than ever, as Rich talked about, you know, the COVID environment that we're in, every company is now realizing they have got to, they have got to take a more holistic approach to managing their people, uh, whether it's making them feel safe, whether it's the training piece, whether it's the opportunities, you know, diversifying your workforce in every sense of diversification, not just you know, demographics, but really creating a, a diverse and inclusive workforce. Everybody needs to do that now. And the beauty of open hiring is, you know, especially for us as business leaders, we don't need to ask anybody's permission. You don't need to go to Congress or the state legislature to get it. You just do it. It just, it just comes from the top. You can do it right now if you wanted to. And like Rich said, you don't have to have 100% of your manufacturing be open hiring. You can start with one job or 10, whatever it is. You have that power. Um, so that's probably the other misconception that folks have. So we've got to do something special. No, no just do it right now. <laughs> and, you know, come to us. You know, go to grayson.org and do it figure out, you can order our brownies and you can figure out how to talk to our folks at the Center for Open Hiring. So as we're wrapping up our conversation, if a baking company did want to pursue open hiring, what advice would you give them? What what should they expect? Yeah, I would say one, get alignment and really, you know, and you as a business leader really understand why you want to do this, understand how this will fit into your culture or how your culture would need to change to do this because you really need it's got to come from the top but it's got to you got to have the support of your team your board um, and you know and your employees to understand you know we're going to be doing this um, we think this is important to us as an organization um, and get that proper alignment and, and understanding like you're just saying you know, whether you're manufacturing like us you're still going to have the challenges of manufacturing to deal with you need to understand how this is a revolutionary change from a human resources perspective. And everybody needs to be on board with it. And it's got to be, I can't emphasize this enough, it's got to be intentional. Don't do this to do any type of window dressing or, as I say, brown and black washing company. Do it because you want to do this and it fits into who you are as a company or who you want to be as a company. 
because if it's if it lacks any of that, you know, the model is not going to work. And uh, I think you know, in addition to what what Joe said, I think you know when when you're an employer in a community, it, it's critical that that you figure out how you're going to give back to that community. And I, I think, you know, many times uh, in particular for a bakery or food, you know, you'll, you'll donate product or whatnot, but there, there's nothing more powerful than, than helping the people in the community who are least helped. And I, I think by, by doing by having open hiring and providing that opportunity, I, I think is making a difference and, and more companies should, should look at this to help it, the community that they, they operate in. Well, Rich and Joe, thank you so much for being on our podcast and sharing the story of Grayston Bakery with us. We really appreciate it. Great discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Charlotte. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Since Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at sosland.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Since Sliced Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and drop us a review. Since Sliced Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Anna Weiber and hosted by Charlotte Atchley. Thanks again for listening.